Well, it's my pleasure to introduce to you our speaker this morning. I'm very excited to hear the message that God has put on his heart. But Pastor Jesse Cabrera is the lead pastor of Resurrection Life Church Holland. So would you please give him a warm, reload welcome this morning as he comes to share with us. Thanks, Pastor Tom. Good morning, everyone. It's early. <laughs> I'm still clearing out the cobwebs out of my throat right now, so if I get coughed up, it's okay. Hey, uh, my name is Jesse Cabrera. Um, like Pastor Tom said, I'm, I'm lead pastor at uh, Resurrection, Resurrection Life Church in Holland. Uh, so before we get started, I just want to kind of give you a little bit of feedback of who I am, where I came from. Um, Pastor Dwayne loves to say this to, to me. He has, says, you know, you're Mexican, but you don't speak Spanish, Jesse. Come on now. And yeah, I grew up in Holland, Michigan, so really didn't need it. But my wife and I, uh, we're doing a great job, and she's teaching me how to uh, uh, speak that second language as we continue to reach out to that community as well. Um, back in 2005, I was about 19, 20 years old, and Holland Res Life was just a campus, extended campus of this place here, Res Life in Granville. And... Um, I walked in for the very first time right after high school, uh, my girlfriend and I, which I, my girlfriend is who I married, uh, and we had a video by uh, Pastor Dwayne bringing the message, and uh, that altar call, I don't remember the message, but that altar call, I remember the, the word of God speaking to my heart, and I lifted my hand up, and I took that walk, and I accepted Jesus Christ for the yeah. very first time in my life. I've heard yeah. of Jesus, you know, I tried the church. But that day, I was transformed. I was touched uh, straight to the core, uh, straight to the heart, and just gave my life to Jesus Christ. And that was September 4th, 2005. Well, a week later, my girlfriend decides to raise her hand and, and accept Christ at the same time and her whole family. And uh, we started this journey. And I call it a journey on purpose because uh, that's what we do on our everyday walk with Jesus Christ. We journey with him. And a year later, 2006, I was shipped out to Tulsa, Oklahoma. I went to Bible school, uh, was out there for about four years, uh, came back in 2010, uh, got plugged in with the junior high in Holland, uh, res life, and just served in the youth ministry from there on all the way to 2016. Uh, we became generations pastor, literally nursery, res kids, uh, junior high, high school. Uh, we, my wife and I were just generations pastors. And a lot of people are like, well, what's a generation's pastors? And we literally say, hey, we serve diapers to diploma, literally. That's who we're serving <laughs> is diapers to diploma. And you know what? We've, we've grown. We've, we've we're been so excited about uh, this journey that God's really taken us on. Um, some of you guys recognize me because back in, uh, was it November, Pastor Tom? No, 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 September. Yeah, September 6th, uh, I, I took a position here at Granville as the, the children's pastor for four months. You know, four months here under uh, Pastor Tom, and when Pastor Clark shifted over to the safety side, um, the Lord called me here and just connected with a lot of the leadership here, still connected with these guys, and it's just been an amazing journey. Well, four months goes by, and the Lord calls me back to Holland, and I'm like, okay, God, let's do this. So uh, as of January 8th of this year, uh, my wife and I took the position as lead pastor in Holland, and we're here today, <laughs> and so it has been a journey, uh, and again, I, I purposely say that, and so the other day, I was talking to Pastor Tom, and just explain, just kind of just sharing my heart, just like, well, I just love walking with Pastor Tom, and he's got some good insight and some good uh, uh, ways of explaining things to me, but I was sharing what he was, I was, uh, what the Lord was doing in my heart, 
And I kept calling it a journey, and he stopped for a second. Literally, you know, have you guys ever walked with Pastor Tom, and he just stops? He has got something good to say. That's when it's really going to come out. And he says, he said to me, you know, you need to speak that at Reload. And I'm like, all right, let's do this. And so uh, thank you for inviting me. Thank you, guys. Thank you, men, for uh, allowing me to be here today. Uh, before we get started, let's pray. Father, I just thank you right now, Lord, for this morning. We thank you that you've given me the energy to wake up, Father God, and just speak your word, Father God. But on a serious note, Father, I just thank you for these group of men that are here, uh, willing to give their first and their best of their day, Father God, sacrificing to get out of the bed a little bit early, maybe kissing the wife goodbye, maybe uh, not even having a chance to say uh, good morning to their children, Father God, so they can encounter you, Lord. So this morning, I pray right now, Father God, that my words are not my opinions, Father God. The words that you have for me is strictly from your mouth and your heart, Father. I just declare that, your word, and all our lives. In Jesus' name we pray, and all men say, amen. amen. All right, so let's go ahead and get started. Um, I want to talk to you guys about my journey, uh, also your journey as well. But uh, a little bit when I was introducing myself and just giving you guys my background, I had mentioned that, that I started my journey back in September of uh, 2005, and that's what Christianity is. Uh, when we walk with Jesus Christ, when we decide to follow, it's a journey. Uh, when you look at the New Testament and you see Jesus um, calling his disciples for the very first time, uh, he literally says, you know, follow me, follow me. You know, and a lot of us have that calling in our lives where we heard the voice of God say, follow me. And it could have been through an altar call. It could have been through friends. It could have been through a church experience. But there's these moments in our lives where Jesus says, follow me. And I truly believe in my heart that that's where the journey begins. The true journey. I mean, we walk through trails in life. We walk through dunes, I guess if you're from Michigan. We walk through these little things uh, um, that is not necessarily a journey, but more of these little hikes that we go through in life trying to figure things out. But who's ever been through a hike and you've gotten kind of lost or it's been a little thick and you don't quite understand where, you, where you're at or where you're going? Last week, my brother-in-law was telling me uh, he, he got lost with his family in the dunes. Uh, about a week ago when the weather was really nice, right before we got slammed by the snow. And uh, praise God that someone found him before, you know, the sunset, because it was getting cold, it was getting dark, and he had a couple of babies with him. And so they were able, he was able to come and get rescued by somebody, just a, somebody that was just taking a hike, that knew their way, and was able to pull him out to safety to the point where they made it just in time. And I believe with all my heart, we face that in our lives that we walk through these hikes and sometimes life can get a little bushy or, or, or a little uh, unrecognizable. And then you see the Savior come. He says, hey, you're lost, come here, follow me. Yeah. Now it would be not wise if my brother-in-law said, no, 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 don't, don't, I, I got it from here. It would not be wise knowing he's lost. But he knew his place and where he was at. And so he was able to get out of that, the, the dunes, those hikes, the woods, and was able to get to safety. And I believe if we can follow and listen to the voice of God, that he has his journey for us to take. But it requires us to take that first step. And so when I was studying a few weeks ago, I, I started out in Luke chapter 10, verse 38 through 42. If you guys have a paper Bible or if you guys have your app, please turn to that as uh, I read that to you guys. And I'll read it from up here. Again, this is Luke chapter 10, 38, verse 42. Let me draw out a scenario. There's two sisters, okay? We're going to talk about sisters in the men's group real quick, all right? But hear me out and, and just bear with me for a second. Uh, but you have two sisters, and they, they uh, represent two different scenarios. And it says, as Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her, her home to him. 
She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. And I love Jesus' response, okay? He says, Martha, Martha, you are worried and upset about many things. Now, I, I looked up that word worried, and I, last night I, I have a translation Bible that gets real close to the Hebrew and Greek. Well, it's New Testament, so it's Greek. And I looked up that word worried, and it, literally it comes down to the root uh, anxiety or anxious. And I started realizing that anxiety, anxiety can be something that's, that takes root, but what produces out of anxiety is worried, upset, troubled. You hear those words through the entire Bible. And the, Lord, and the Lord tells us, you know, don't be troubled, don't be upset, for I have overcome. Because there's this root called anxiety that's growing, and it produces fruit called worried and upset and troubled. And so when the, when the Lord has said to, to uh, Martha, you are worried and upset about many things, he's shining a little light here to her. Now, my question is this to you guys. How many times are we in life or, you know, in our journey that we're taking with Christ, we're believers and we love Jesus, you know, we, we want to continue to grow in him. But how many times are we in that worried stage or that upset stage or that anxiety stage? And sometimes we don't even realize it. Are we light in it? And what tends to happen is sometimes the English language separates the, the word worried and anxiety from each other. I've heard many times, oh, just stop worrying about it. Or I've even said, you know, don't, don't worry about it. And we take worry light, very lightly because we don't quite understand where the root comes from. But it really is an anxiety. And Jesus addresses it to Martha. Continuing on, it says, but few things are needed or indeed only one. Everyone say only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Again, there are two scenarios, two sisters right now, okay? Martha and Mary, and they both represent something. We have Martha, who, is just, who loves the Lord and who serves, but is caught in this stage of busyness. She's very busy, and what's creating out of this busyness, while the Lord's in her presence, it's creating this worry or this upsetness in her or anxiety or anxiousness. But then you look at the other sister, and she, Mary, and she's sitting down, which is also resting before the Lord. Now, when you look at both sisters, they're both in the presence of Jesus Christ. Jesus is in the house. You know what I'm saying? And they're in two different stages. And Martha gets so upset that she's upset the fact that her sister's not doing anything. And I want to talk to you men about, about how we take our journey, and we shouldn't take it so lightly, because you have been called. Whether you're, you, oh, you're all men, yeah. You're, you're all men. Here's the thing. Some of you guys are, are dads. Some of you guys are husbands, uncles, or just maybe a godly influence, a big brother. And so God wants to train us through this journey, but we have to allow him to want to get into our lives. The thing is, we get caught up with busyness so many times. Now, this is my first time here, and I walked in at 6.30, and uh, there was food, and I didn't have time to get food. I saved a plate in the back, and I'm like, I told Christian, hey, Christian, can, where can I put this? He said, put it in the, in the oven, and I said, all right, sweet. But when I walked in, I, some of you guys might have saw me. I was taking pictures. This is awesome. Because what I literally see is our journey for the day being started with in the presence of God, resting and sitting. 
And then when I saw the worship team come up here, I'm like, whoa, I literally thought I was going to sit at a table and talk to a few men. And then I come in here and we have like these 100 men in here. And I think this is amazing. This is awesome. But this is how we need to start on a daily basis on our journey. You guys following me? Yep. We need, to, we need to continue to do this on a daily basis because there are going to be times where we decide or by feeling we want to take a hike and not a journey and we want to venture on. I have four children. Okay. I have an eight-year-old Joshua. I have a five-year-old, a six-year-old Malaya. I have a four-year-old Mila and I have a one-year-old Jeremiah. So two boys, two girls. And they're all, yeah, under eight, eight and under and they all have their different stages. But Jeremiah just started crawling. Okay, just started crawling, or yeah, because he's not quite one yet, but he just started crawling. So he's venturing off around the house. So at this point, we have gates everywhere, okay? I have my son, who's the oldest, and he's, he's more wiser than what my youngest son is because obviously the age difference and what I'm teaching him, but he's able to help me to stop my youngest when I'm not even looking because he, he remembers him pumping his head or falling down the stairs, and I'm not a bad dad, I promise, but he's fallen off the bed a couple of times, you know? He's rolled off, but he's learned. And here's the thing, so many times the way I'm constantly telling my sons, hey, don't take that route, don't go that way, they, they decide to go on their own, and they hurt themselves, you know, and they bump their heads, and they start crying or whatever. My son did that as he was growing up. And there are so many times we have that personal relationship with God that we tend to venture off, and God is telling us, hey, hey, don't go that way, it's, you're going to bump your head. Well, how many of you guys ever ventured off? I'm guilty. I'll do, all, I'll do this right here. I've done it too, many times. You know, curiosity comes in. Oh, God, I think I got this. And, and before you know it, we, you know, we realize, man, I missed it. But God's saying, hey, I was with you the whole time. And he kind of embraces us. It's because we decide to take these little hikes instead of allowing God to take us through this journey. There's always something bigger for us to do. And so when you look at this case right here with Martha and Mary, again, you have, you have Martha who is serving and doing her best to give and to serve the Lord. And I think she has a great attitude, but I believe Jesus is, is reprioritizing some things in her life. You see, as men, we're here. We're at reload. We're ready. We're ready to conquer this day. We're ready to provide for our family. We're ready to provide for ourselves and just do the works of Jesus. But have we rested is the question. Have we rested? Have we sat down with the Lord and said, hey, God, fill me with you right now? Have we taken that first step of journey and say, Lord, what do you have for me today? I'll follow. That's a question to think about because so many times as men, I mean, I love it. We just, we have this, uh, this warrior mentality within us. It's, it's like we're going to conquer this day and we're going to be able to do this. But so many times we can get caught up with um, doing it with our own strength. And what tends to happen is we get weary. We dry up. We, we, we get lost. But the Lord says, if you just rest, if you sit down. Now, if you notice, oh, can you put that scripture back up, please? If you notice at the bottom where Jesus starts talking to uh, Martha, he says this about Mary, okay? Now, he's prioritized. He's showing what's important, okay? And he says, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. And when I see that scripture, I see determination. I see, I see a Savior that's willing to protect that. That's the saying, hey, you won't take her away at this moment as, as she sits at my feet and as I can just invest in her. We are going to be pulled left and right by voices. We need to do this. We need to do that. But it's so good to see a heavenly father who is just loving and saying, no, 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 no. I want you to know that this is first and foremost of your day. 
Now, we have the great privilege, again, to be here on Tuesday, but what does Wednesday look like? What does Thursday look like? What is Friday, Saturday? We're here Sundays. What does Monday look like? And Monday's one of the tougher days, right? Let's just be real. Monday's one of the tougher days. But, but the thing is, we have to have that attitude, that determination of, you know what? No one's going to take my time away from the Lord. Not, not, not work, not, not, not people, not worries, not upsetness, not anger. I'm going to bring all this before the Lord early in the morning, and I'm going to sit down, and I'm just going to sit and dwell in the presence of God. But so many times, we, even though we're sitting, we feel like we're not moving, and in reality, we are. We're growing in Christ. And so when we sit, we journey, and our minds can't really comprehend that. My mind, I was, again, I was sitting down, I was studying, and I'm like, how do you, how do you just sit but not, it doesn't make sense. I got to put my hand to the plow, God. I got, I got stuff to do. But the Lord's saying, no, sit in my presence and watch your journey continue. But it requires us to not try to see it in the natural, but understand it in, in, in a supernatural way. For instance, uh, the Apostle Paul, um, when you go to the New Testament, the Apostle Paul, who was Saul in the beginning and thought he was doing stuff for God by persecuting Christians, what he ended up doing was, was he was killing God, God's followers, thinking he was doing right for God. But in the natural, he was able to see all this, correct? But then there hit, there hit this point in his life where the Lord showed up and he was blinded in the natural. You guys know what I'm talking about? He was blinded in the natural, but he saw in the supernatural. So what caused Paul to see and hear Jesus required him to be blinded for a second in the natural. See, because when, when he could see in the natural, he couldn't see Jesus and hear Jesus. He was doing his own thing. He was hiking. And in reality, he was lost, thinking that he knew what he was doing. But because things flipped, he was able to see Christ. And again, that was only a temporary moment, but that shows that there are moments we're not going to see things in our lives. We're not going to under, quite understand why, God. But when we can sit with God, even though when we don't quite understand or see it, when we can sit with God, we have this revelation of this understanding of, man, I can trust you through this, God. So many times we pray for clarity. God, give me clarity. Give me provision and vision of where I need to go. And then we get frustrated because we quite don't understand it yet. But I encourage you guys not to pray for clarity. I encourage you guys to pray that you can continue to trust in the Lord when you don't see it. Because when you don't see it, you have to follow and you have to hold the hand. When I have my sons, and some of you guys might have kids or maybe had kids, they're adults now. But when I have my kids, my boys, I'll hold or my, my little girl, I'll hold their hands, especially, especially when we're crossing the street where there's traffic, where there's danger. I'm holding their hands, and they do this thing. I got it. We're at Myers parking lot. They just want to race to the car. No, 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 and I'm holding on to them. Dad, I got it. I know where the car is at. Exactly. I see the car too, but I see also danger coming ways that you don't see, and there are many times we're in those boats where God is walking to, with us, and we may not see it again, but we hold his hands. He sees danger. He knows how to take us through this journey called life, and we're able to walk with him hand in hand, and he takes us to these places, these, these places that we don't quite understand, but we're there, and we just praise him, and we thank him for that, because it all started with sitting down and resting before the Lord's feet. You guys feeling me right now? Yeah, yeah we all still awake? Just making sure. All right. But when you see again, you see, you see the uh, uh, Martha, who represents more of the serving part, the busy part, and it creates this worries and upsetness and anxiety because she wants to do the best for the Lord, but the Lord's saying, no, 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 stop. And then you look at Mary, 
Mary who's sitting down, who's resting. Literally what she's doing right now is she's refueling. She's refueling for the week. You, who's ever come on a Sunday morning and, man, man, that was an awesome message. You're pumped up. You're ready to go. And come Thursday, you're, like, already drained, you know, and you're, 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 you're dreading, or not dreading, but you're waiting for that Sunday to come back again to get refueled. You see, God wouldn't want us to get in those stages. He, on, a, on a constant basis, he wants us to be with them. So we're ready for Monday. We're ready for Tuesday. We're ready for Wednesday, all the way back to Monday again. So when you look at Mary, she's, her sitting, her resting represents a refueling, a, a, a recharging, because she's literally walking. What she is doing is literally what Adam did in the beginning, walk the garden with God. And that's a journey itself. That's another message itself. But, but we see uh, Mary doing that, sitting down and continuing her journey. Here's the thing. We, we are God, God, uh, godly children. We're God's children, okay? But I, wanna, I want you guys to understand that we are sons before we are servants, Okay? We are sons of God before we are servants. And you can see that in the, in the story of the prodigal son. I believe it's in chapter Luke. When you see in the prodigal son where the son decides to leave and do his own thing and, and he returns back. Now, the attitude that the son had, I don't have the scripture, but the attitude that the son had, he realized, I'm lost, I messed up, I took all what my dad you know, gave me, his inheritance, and I just blew it. I totally blew it. But the first thing he does is he says, well, my dad has a bunch of servants, hmm, maybe I can go back and get a job, at least be fed, right? Bare minimum. So he decides to go back. Again, I'm bringing this story to a nutshell, but, but he, he, he ventures on back to his dad. And the scriptures say that the dad ran towards his son the moment he saw him. And he wrapped his arms. He threw his arms around his son and kissed him and said, you're my son. Then he tells his servants, you know, give me the ring, put the robe on him. Slaughter the big calf. Let's have a party because my son has returned. Picture the son for a second. I mean, I, see, I hear that story a lot, but let's, let, let's look at the other way, okay? Let's look at a different insight. I'm pretty sure the son is pretty much squeezed like this and just wrapped around his dad, confused. What in the world? I, like, I totally dissed you, dad, and now you, you still love me? And he gets kissed. You're throwing a party for me? Dad, I just want to work for you. And the dad says, no, you're my son. And he's placed him in a position. Our Heavenly Father does that when we continue on our journey. So many times we come with a servant mentality. I want to do what God wants me to do. I'm ready. Not bad. We need to have that type of attitude. But priority is that you are a son before you are a servant. And God's going to let you know that. He's going to, he's going to saturate you with that. He's going to wrap, throw his arms around you, wrap his arms around you. He's going to kiss you and put you at the right hand with his Father alongside with Jesus Christ. Because that is your rightful position. That is where you're at. Because that is the journey he's taking you on. But every day we don't see that sometimes. We, we face these obstacles. And those, those troubles are there. But we have to remember that Jesus said, take heart. For I have overcome this world. Going to Matthew chapter 6, verse 25, it says, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Now, when I was reading that scripture a few weeks ago, and actually my whole entire, I, I've, been a, I've been a believer for about 11 years now, I've always looked at it through an earthly perspective, you know, of, well, God, you've, you've always put clothes on my back, food in my stomach, roof over my head. I am so grateful for that. But when I was going a little bit deeper with the food and the clothes, I've realized that 
God's really not necessarily talking just about that because as men, we can provide this pretty easily, right? We can probably get a shirt one way or another. We can, we can somehow find some food for us. But here's, here's the thing. When I was venturing on, when I, when I wanted to journey on this whole thing, I realized that there was something more deeper than just the food and clothes from our earthly perspective. There is a heavenly perspective that God was teaching, teaching me, and I want to teach you guys as well. When you go to the, uh, the book of Luke, now I won't read the whole entire uh, passage because it's a very long passage, but I encourage you guys, read Luke 24. Again, Luke 24. It's a very good uh, Bible. It, it shows where uh, Jesus journeys off after the resurrection with two disciples. So I encourage you guys to read that. But when you, when you look at this adventure that Jesus took, this is right after the tomb, right? He's, he's risen from the dead. Jesus is alive again, is what my son says. Jesus is alive again. And he ventures off. And he, instead of going straight to Jerusalem, he's got 40 days, in other words, to convince people, I am the Christ, I am alive. He decides to take a little detour and follow these two disciples that are going a- a- away from Jerusalem because of where their hope was in, didn't seem like it was there, okay? And so he pursues these two disciples, and he, and, he, and he journeys off with them, and the Bible says that these two disciples don't recognize him. They don't recognize him, but they start communicating. Jesus opens up, they open up, Jesus talks to them, and then they get to a point where they get to, uh, um, I believe it's uh, Emmaus, the, city of, or the village of Emmaus, and they get to a point where they're now at a dinner table, they're eating together. Okay? And the Bible says that they broke bread. And I'm going to actually open my Bible to this one. I'm going to read this to you guys. Okay? And now they're at the point where they're at the table. And it says, when he was at the table with them, he took bread, Jesus, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they recognized him as he disappeared from their sight. When you see the fact that Jesus broke bread with them, and he fed them. The Bible says that the disciples recognized them. Those two disciples always knew about Jesus. They were there when the crucifixion happened. They were still sad. But at the moment, as they're journeying off, they didn't realize that resurrection was literally walking with them. They broke bread. Jesus fed them. Their eyes opened. The bread of life gave life. And in a sense, that's what Jesus did to us and is continually to do. He's breaking bread and he's feeding us so we can see the way Apostle Paul saw when he first came to Christ, how he saw it. Later on, going to verse 49, same, same passage, verse 49, it says that you are, my, you are witnesses of these things. I am going to send you what my father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed. Everyone say clothed. You have been clothed with power from on high. You guys, I'm getting some ahas right now. Here's the thing. He talks about food. He talks about clothes. Going back to that scripture, uh, um, what I just went through in Matthew 6.25, if you can put it right back up, please. It says, therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or what your body, uh, or your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Do you now see what Jesus is doing through Scripture? He's, he's, he's reprioritizing us right now. He's saying there's something more important. The way he talked with Mary, he's talking with us. He's talking with me right now. And there's something more important that I'm not talking about natural clothes. I'm not talking about natural food. I'm talking about something higher than that. I'm talking about the bread of life where we break bread, they eat, they recognize Jesus. 
I'm talking about the clothes that I've put you in a position, the power of the Holy Spirit that I clothe you with, no matter what, what journey you've come out of, but you're walking this journey now. You see, Jesus is coming to this point where he's showing his disciples the stuff, and it's just this new insight, this new revelation, but it requires the two disciples. It requires Martha, and it required Mary for all of them to just sit down and rest before the Lord to rest and sit. And when they all sat down, when Mary sat down, when the two disciples sat down at the dinner table and broke bread, when they sat down and rested and allowed Jesus to refuel them, they were able to see. Not in the natural, but the supernatural. They were able to recognize is what the Bible says. Where are we at? My challenge to you guys is where are we at when it comes to this journey that we walk in Christianity? Where are we at? Are we allowing God to feed us the bread of life? Are we allowing God to close us with righteousness? Because the Bible says that is ours, that he has done that already. But it requires us to sit down. It requires us to rest before the Lord and allow him to refuel us. Let's go ahead and uh, pray real quick. I might have went a little over my time. <laughs> but Father, I just thank you right now, Lord, for the opportunity just to see your word the way you want us to see it, Father God. I pray as we continue on this journey, Father, I pray right now that your, your will be done, Father, as we continue to rest and sit with you, Lord. I pray for every single one of these men here that your hand is upon them. Have they, they've given their time to just sit before you, Lord. But not only that, may they be imitators of that in this world, Father. Ephesians 5.1 says, imitate me as dearly beloved children. Father, I just thank you that the work fields that they're about to go in, the stores that they're going to encounter, the, the neighborhoods that they, they're going to be at, Father, that they are imitators of what you've done in their personal life, Father God. I thank you for every single one of these men in the name of Jesus Christ. And all God's men say, amen. 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 Thank you, guys. Appreciate it.